Hello, hello, hello. This is the Mental Threads Podcast. Here's your host, Toasty. And I'm here with, you want me to just refer to you CD or your government name, sir? CD. Okay, just CD. Uh, yeah, uh, me and uh, Mr. CD uh, were actually met through the Dreamville uh, Fest uh, group chat and everything. He decided to hop on because I was trying to seek out as many interviews today as I can before the end of the new year and stuff. So I really appreciate him for uh, hopping on. Uh, Mike, tell me, uh, where, uh, where are you from, CD? I'm from Jonesboro, Arkansas. Jonesboro, Arkansas. I ain't never met nobody from no Jonesboro, Arkansas. What's it like out there? Uh, it's a bunch of bunch of farmland, man. <laughs> I'm in the country. Oh, okay. Uh, about you be at an HBCU out there? Or you just go to regular college? Uh, I attended the PWI out here, so I went to Arkansas State University. But we do have a couple of, of PWIs in Arkansas. So we got Arkansas Baptist, uh, Philander Smith College, and then we got um the Arkansas. Uh, University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff. Oh, dang. So there's no HBCUs out there in Arkansas? Yeah, we have three, but there none in, in Jonesboro. Oh, okay. So how, how far is the front of this uh, HBCU? Um, I say they're all about two and a half hours away from where I from where I stay at. Okay, so it's about the same distance, like, from me then, I guess. Because uh, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. We got an HBCU uh, called Johnson C. Smith University in the mm-hmm. city. Uh, but I go to North Carolina Central University in Durham, North Carolina, which is, like, about two hours away and everything. Love that school. Wonderful school. So you're currently still in college right now? No, I um, I graduated in 2019. Hey, that's cool. I, I graduated 2021. Okay, so you've been outside of college for a minute then, huh? Yeah, man, I got my um, I got my degree in psychology, and my um, my minor was in uh, crimi- criminology. Um, but I spent like once I once I graduated, I spent a couple years working at this uh, working for Frito Lay, um, and then I started. I left there and decided to get some experience in mental health. My goal was to pursue was to go back to school and get my master's and become a, a school psychologist, but. I changed my mind on it and decided to pursue a career in um, music. So that's currently what I'm what I'm working towards right now. Oh, so it's all about music, then. You're not even going to use your degree to just kind of fund your music. Well, I it, it technically is because I'm working for I'm working for a behavioral um, hospital right now. So okay, that's cool. That's cool. What we'll really push you to in that direction of psychology? Well, just. Um, you know, as as a black man growing up in America, um, and I I deal with um from my own personal battles with with you know my mental health and you know seeing how that affects my you know people in my family when you know they don't um, prioritize their mental health. Mm. Um, so that's what kind of pushed me towards that, and just from my daily interactions with people. Um, I've always been, I guess, like the type of person that people would just like just come up to me and just tell me about, you know, their their personal lives, their story, the things that they go through. So, hmm. you know, it wasn't that's that's really what led me to pursue a, a helping profession. OK, wonderful. All right. So then would you say that like would you describe yourself as like empathetic or like an empath? Like maybe you just kind of feel other people's feelings and that way. That way it's kind of easier for you to relate to other people. You just kind of, you kind of just, you just kind of connect with them better that way. 
Yeah. Um, like I like I like I mentioned before, is just most of the conversations that I have with people, they they tend to open up to me about the things that they go through, and yeah, so like I'm I'm a very like understanding person of what the next person goes through because of the things that I've experienced in my life. So I try to always um, approach my interactions with people with like the understanding that that could that could just as easily be me in this situation so i don't you know i never judge the next person for the things that they go through in their life that's a good mindset to hold on to man and i feel like we need a lot a lot more of black psychologists for sure i feel like we need we really need to push um a lot of black people to go to therapy more often because like the stuff that we be facing on the daily man it's a uphill battle you know right, it's tough. Right. It's very, very tough. I feel like some of us are going through our own things, our own struggles. You know, like I've had my issues with depression and anxiety. And, you know, it's just, you know, my issues and stuff like with you know, isolation, um, this con- this medical condition I have to work with. And I'm, I'm still trying to find the funding to cover that up. And like that, I don't know if that's going to work out or if it's going to work out or not, or I'm going to be cured. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it can be a lot stressful. You know, I feel like I miss out on a lot of things. So it's just, it's, I feel like going to counseling was very helpful in regards to me coping with a lot of the situations that I dealt with and a lot of the loss uh, that I had to deal with, uh, the L's I had to deal with, you know, I feel like it really, really helps uh, people, you know, like uh, I didn't get my first, uh, a black uh therapist until uh my senior year of college i think it was in 2021 and uh from time to time we'll hop on uh zoom uh virtually every now and then um i'm thinking about going back to him too like eventually um once i get my finances right you know i'd like to do that but it's just it's just stuff like that man it's just uh why do you think what do you think holds uh black folks from going to therapy Oh man, I I would it, it could be it could be a, a lot of a lot of different things. Just you know, like our upbringing was especially like with black men, because you know we hear from you know the time that we're kids, you know, to the time that we're adults, you know, like oh, you know, you know, you need to, you know, you need to be a man. You don't need to express certain emotions, and you know, you know we probably you know look down look down upon therapy as if you know that's you know not not what real men do but in you know in in essence this that's that is what real men do because you know it takes it takes a very strong man a strong black man in 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 particular to understand that you know i need help uh to 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 come to terms with or move past a, a certain issue that i'm dealing with and I say that, you know, most black families that in my experience from, you know, from my upbringing, you know, all our problems we had, we just say, oh, well, you need to go pray or you need to run to the church where well, I feel like they work hand in hand together. Yes, you need you, you need that, you know, that, that spiritual um, relationship and you need, you know, that, that clinical help as well. So that's I think those are the, the two biggest factors, in my opinion, so. Just how 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 we are perceived for seeking therapy, and also, um, you know, just the relationship that we have with prayer and church and God. Yeah, no, seriously, man. It's just, uh, and I'm a very big um supporter in regards to prayer. I feel like prayer is 
definitely a freeing experience that can really help you connect closer to God, whether it's just telling them thank you, showing gratitude, and just stuff of that nature. I, oh, see, do, you know, I, do you hear anything in the background? Just ask. No. All right, cool, cool. Just double check. But uh, yeah, um, all that is very, it's very, very much so, it can be very helpful in, in terms of building that relationship with God, you know, building a deep, deep relationship with God can carry you through a lot of adversity in life. But, you know, sometimes it's good to really just get a third person perspective uh, every now and then in regards to your situation. I feel like therapists are very good at uh, helping you be mindful about what to do and how to do it and what's the best thing to do. And it's just it's just good. I feel like I'm I, that's one thing I don't regret is going to therapy. And I uh, definitely when I relocate to D.C., uh, that's that's definitely one of the things I want to do uh, for sure is is keep that up, you know, and just be sure to find somebody um like in regards to kind of help me in regards to just just become more mindful, you know, keep on that uh, narrow side of just being more mindful with everything I do and every thought that I have and everything. I feel like uh, therapists are very helpful with you processing that. Um, so it's just like in regards for you working in behavioral health, um, what exactly do you do exactly? Are you like a receptionist right now or do you just help support other people? What do you, what exactly do you do? So my, my is... It's called, um, I'm a mental health associate. So basically what I do is I I just help nurses um, with the patients. So, and it can range from um, a bunch of different things, like just talking to them, um, trying to uh, like de-escalate, you know, situations, um, bringing them snacks, letting them use the phone to talk to their loved ones. So where I work at is actually it's not a long term patient care. It's short term. So most of the patients are only there for about seventy two hours. Um. So yeah, and that's that's pretty that's pretty much. That's pretty, just, much, that's pretty much just it all together. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Have you ever felt like your life was in danger or something? Like what, they ought to keep something sharp away from them, or what's up? Like what's the negative to that? Yeah, so when they when they get there, we have to do uh we have to do their intake and basically like we put all their positions uh, in a plastic bin and we lock it away so um while they're for the duration of their stay with us um and yeah so we don't get them we don't get them any sharps um like when they get the COVID mask we take the little wirings out of out of the COVID mask um and they like really they're really strict on like the the type of um like with their shower times and that, like how many clothing items they can have um, because some of them get admitted because they have like um, they, you know, they come for like, you know, homicidal ideation, suicidal ideation. Um, so it's important that they don't have access to objects that could potentially harm them. Now, granted, we do like monitor them for 24 hours because there are cameras in all of their rooms, cameras in pretty much every part of the, the hospital. But it's, you know, it's sometimes, you know, they, you know, things can get, you know, behind us or whatever. So, okay. so is we have to be like on, on high alert at all times because at, at any given moment, something could go, Crazy. something could go down. So. And it's like, it doesn't really happen often though, right? Like nothing, no crazy incidents. Not not really often. Now we we do like we do kind of we are kind of like 
suspicious around there. So like normally like the first points, the worst times uh, at the hospital are when <laughs> when it's a, a full moon. So that's you know when something goes bad, we kind of joke around and say, "Oh, it must be a full moon outside," and, and most times it is. So. Okay, all right, cool. That's wonderful that you keep um uh, tabs on stuff of that uh, nature. You know, it's like dealing with people in mental health. I feel like a lot of people seem to kind of like shun them. You know, you know, right. at least them to being like homeless and stuff. So it's good to always be empathetic even towards others. You don't know what um what the struggle might be up to that point. You know, everybody's uh everybody's um path is different, and it leads them through right. a lot of trenches that may you know alter their character. Um, through a certain in, in a certain manner, um, it's just good to just be mindful. Um, that it's just like you know, everyone's just trying to figure it out. Um, and whether their mental uh, condition like, brings it to their end, that's that's a pretty sad situation. Um, but it is what it is. As long as we try our best to just be mindful and to just be uh, kind to those who, uh, uh, to just just be kind. That's just basically it. just be kind to others. <laughs> that's Absolutely, a, um, that's that, the biggest. Uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Just, just be kind to others, uh, for sure. Um, was it? Well, did you ever develop any uh, uh cool relationships with uh, some of your patients and everything, or were they just cool regular people? Like, could you pretty much describe how your patients are? If you're incapable of doing that due to confidentiality, I'd understand. Yeah. Um. So basically, like, while while they're there under our, you know, under our care and under our watch, yeah, we 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 tend to, you know, kind of. De- try to develop some type of rapport with them so they can um so they can actually like leave when they mm-hmm. want to like so like I said so most of them are on the 72 hour hold and that's you know part of the doctor's orders and some some patients we get there they don't want to be there at all but they mm-hmm. but they have to come because they might have had a, a an incident at our um our ED which is basically our big hospital before they get sent to us. So, like, what we like, what we tend to do is, uh, like, we you know just just go in and we talk to them and, um, like my my role is is like very important because we um like I said like the nurses they have so much stuff that they that they have to do on like you know at any given moment in time so like from like pulling meds to charting like behavioral assessments and all that stuff so. When something goes on, they might not be able to get to it at that point in time. So, um, you know, at our job as techs, you know, we have to kind of fill in that role and help, you know, de-escalate certain situations. But, yeah, we do. Some patients, they come there like, you know, they, you know, we we feel like really bad for them because, um, you know, they, you know, you know, life, life happens to, to the best of us. So, um, you know, when, when you run into when you run into people like that you're like okay i got i understand you know things happen so we try to make we try to make their 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 time there with us as um as smooth as possible mm-hmm. yeah no and that's the best way to have them man because you can't really guarantee or not in the matter you can't really guarantee you just you just really don't know, so you might as well just treat others uh, with kindness, like I said uh, earlier, and stuff of that nature. Um, so in regards to like, what shift do you work? You were third shift or something like that? Do you just certain times? What what, what times do you work? I work night shift. Yeah, we got two shifts. Um, and they both twelve hour shifts, so it's day shift and night shift. Okay, all right, that's cool. Most of them, I would. I I used to work night shift at a uh, Novant Health. Uh, this is a hospital chain in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. As a care associate. 
and everything. So sometimes they'll send me go to the behavioral uh, health department and they just have me sit down just watching and, and stuff of that nature. So it's just, it's just, it is what it is. I thought there's a certain type of, uh, certain type of, uh, how can I say, disposition you have to have uh, working right. in healthcare, like to just be uh, entirely empathetic and just be responsive to the needs of others, um, which is I feel like it just runs in my blood because like my mom works with older folks uh, for years, uh, or not works for Atrium in the re rehabilitation center, um, but it's just like even um, even um, even with my dad, he was like a nurse too, so it's just like you know stuff of that stuff in that field. It's just it's just I want to say it's like. Uh, it's like uh, an environment which is I'm very familiar with, like like a like a habitat for me, like like. But it is an environment I am somewhat familiar with to a certain degree, and stuff of that nature. Um, so it's like uh, for your case, like growing up, you were pretty much. Uh, what kind of family dynamic did you have? Uh, did you have a mother and father? What was life like uh, growing up in Arkansas? Oh, um, until I say until I was about twelve or thirteen, it was just me, my mom, my little sister. My mom got married to my stepdad. Um, like when I got, like when I got to middle school, so, um, and my, like my biological father is, he lives in Chicago, mm. so I didn't really get to spend a lot of time with him when I was younger, but, you know, once I got older, like pretty much uh, once, like my senior year in high school was when, like was when got our relationship back on track and all that good stuff, so, um, but yeah, most of it was just it was just like a distance thing. Like we just didn't have, um, like just a means to like you know just, um, like spend time with each other. So, um, but yeah, our relationship is a lot stronger now. Thank you for that because like he's really one of like my biggest supporters with anything. As with like you know my mom, my stepdad, and you know my uh, my dad's wife, my stepmom as well. Um, but. But yeah, that was all I, you know, as a kid, that's really why I just, I just wanted like a strong relationship with with my dad, and I, you know, I, with, you know, here recently I've I've been able to get that. Yeah, man, that's good. That's wonderful to get closer to your father, especially when you as you grow older, as like as men for sure. Uh, that's one of the main reasons why I want to relocate to DC because like my father lives in that area. Plus, I can go to school at Howard University. That's my plans. Um, but just staying close with him in this transitional phase. Um, this transit. Hold on one second. In this transitional phase, uh, basically, um, uh, within uh becoming men in society. Although I'm still in like my mid twenties, so I'm basically basically a man. But it's like still at the same time, there's still certain quips, um, to transition between uh adolescence and then college, and then you know you know living entirely independent. You know what I mean? Right. Like I feel like I could do so better with the opportunities in the DMV area, DC area. I feel like it's more prevalent um for me. Especially because I'm a business student. I went to school for business. So it's just like, you know, like I feel like there'll be more opportunities for me to work for black owned businesses. Right. And right. Of business. So there's more of a scale to open. But uh, for right now, I have to stay in Charlotte for a little bit longer. My uh, my plan is to relocate maybe sometime in August. Um so I have more than enough time to get ready. Um, cause I'm about to start this internship for this major company pretty soon. I just got to realize what uh, company I'm going to be working for specifically. Um, but until then, it's just, it's really just a matter of time. So I understand what you mean, like in regards to like, uh, connecting, um, with your father. I know it's just, I feel like my absence with my father 
uh, growing up uh, was like uh, it was a really huge blow to my development, to be honest. Because um, right. I always had to fend for not just myself, but also like my younger brother too. But I also had to really learn to back down a whole lot um, when forced into situations where it was just me versus multiple people. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah. I feel like my father would have really definitely advocated for me a, a lot more growing up uh, where my mother could not. Uh, but nothing uh, to get uh, to my mother on that. That was just the reality of the situation um, and stuff of that nature. So since like you pretty much gone to school for psychology and stuff of that nature, what what does um, the family dynamic, how, how much does that play into, uh, into the, um, the psyche and behavior of, uh, of an individual? Like how much could that play into it? Yeah. Got all these deep questions, my bad. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, you good, man. Um, Christ was saying, okay, so how does that play into, um, like the psyche or development of the individual? Just development, just little quirks and things like you know, like uh, the absent father, absent mother, or maybe a dead yeah. parent or no parents, like you know, just stuff of that nature. Multiple siblings, one sibling, right. no sibling, you know, just stuff of that nature. Yeah. Like, what are the patterns? Um, okay, so I like I said, like. The, like the best answer I can give is is experience. So I was just speaking from you know from from my experience, um, with with me it like kind of like just like the stereotypical like the older you know oldest child like oh I had to grow up I had to grow up kind of fast which was which was true because you know my mom had me when she was she was eighteen so she turned nineteen like right after she had me I was born in uh, March she had had me on March and uh, you know she turned nineteen in April so you know she was figuring out a lot of stuff you know, as kind of as she went along and a lot of stuff that she had to put like on the back burner on the, like on the back burner to make me, make sure uh, me and my little sister were straight. So once she, you know, got to the point where she was stable enough to actually go back and pursue the things that she wanted to, like going back to school to get her degree. She's also a business, business administration um, um, student as well. Um, she's pursuing her master's degree in healthcare management right now, but that's what she got her bachelor's degree in. Um, so, you know, I was tasked with, you know, with a lot of things when I was kind of, you know, um, younger, like, um, making sure, you know, my little sister got out the bus, making sure, you know, she ate her snacks, making sure all our homework was done, things of that nature. So, um, so yeah, like I, you know, and I kind of think that that's another thing that kind of pushed me into, you know, going into that, you know, that like just that helping profession and being just like a, a serve, you know, being like a servant for, you know, others, you know, in that regard. So like I've always just been like just a humble person to and always been the the individual that that helps others first. Like all like this that's just, you know, who I am as a person. And then that's also hold on, hold on one second. Hold on one second. My bad. I'm sorry. You could Sorry about that. You good, man? Parents, man, I swear. Anyway, uh, yeah. So you were saying, my my, my goodness, sorry, my bad. Do you, do you remember what you're saying? Um. So basically, it was um. Yeah, just how like the dynamics played about like growing uh, up fast and stuff. Uh, yeah, like I, you know, was I was given you know a lot of responsibilities from you know just like not like a super super young age. From I say from about you know by the time I was twelve, you know. Me, you know, me and my little sister were, you know, we were at home by ourselves and I was, you know, tasked with watching her make sure she was straight and all that good stuff. So that's another thing that into wanting to help 
like you know just just you know be a, a servant unto others and all that good stuff and um so yeah so i think like that that it's is, uplifting others and giving people a sense of assurance in terms of like you know like certain things that they're yeah, facing in life that you can that like i'm i'm the one like you can really rely on and it it, it carries over into you know my my adulthood today Mm -hmm. oh yeah no for real like seriously uh, i feel like you know growing up you know a lot of that really plays into uh cause i know you're the eldest brother correct right yeah so like for me it's just me and my younger brother so i had to kind of be like a surrogate parent um a lot of the moments you know there are times where i had to drive him to football practice and, and stuff like that so like you know it comes to being the eldest sibling you come to a whole lot of responsibility and i feel like in my case i don't really like uh I don't feel like I look out for myself as much as I want to, you know, it's just, right. I always feel like I had to put certain things about like my career and just, you mm -hmm. know, the, you know, the happiness of others. So it's like, you know, yeah, I, I can't, I can't really remember a time where I just kind of relaxed, you know, entirely. Like even when I'm chilling, like, I feel like I'm on edge for things I have to really focus on in the next thing. And so there's always like a sense of urgency with everything I got to do. Like every day I have to attack it with certain, like, okay, I got to do this. I got this objective to do. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. Even when I don't get it done, I had to push the next day. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I feel like that all attributes to just really just trying to focus on really uh, creating a better future for me and my family. Um, most of my family, mostly, because it's just like, you know, like, you know, I'm living in the present now. So it's like, <laughs> Is I'm pretty much living within my future, but it's really it's the futures of other people. Hold on one second. Sorry about that. She's just doing too much. All right. You still there, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm still here, man. Yeah, I don't mean that. It's just she just keeps doing stuff like that. Way, way too much. Anyway. So anyway, that really just kind of like connects with everything all together. Um, for me to just kind of be like that surrogate parent for my younger brother. Right. And then it's just like on top of that, looking out for my cousins and things of that nature, you know, trying to make time for them. Also, it becomes kind of difficult when you have to try to balance your career and then also try to balance, you know, just all types of things in your life on top of that, too. So it's just um, so it's like in terms of like growing up um, a little bit faster compared to others, I can see where you're coming from with that. Um, do you ever feel like you, maybe you never have a time like to yourself or anything of that nature? Yeah, because you, you get to a point where you, you know, where you're, you're, where you're always that, that person that someone can rely on. And I had to learn that it's okay to, you know, be selfish with, um, with your time and it's okay to say no. Because if you don't, you know, set boundaries for yourself, then how can you expect someone else to have, you know, that respect for your time and your space when you need it the most? So, yeah, that's 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 one of the biggest things that I learned, like just this past year, that, like it's definitely OK to, you know, just kind of, you know, just reset and tell someone, hey, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that this go around. But there's no love lost. You know, I still love you as a person, but, you know, I just. You know, I can't be there for you right now. You have to figure it out on your own because if I keep coming to your aid, then you're never going to learn anything from it. No, seriously, seriously. Oh, God, I feel like there's just there's no truth that's uh, as truthful as that and everything. So, like, considering how you want to focus entirely on music, do you think, like, maybe music can be, in a sense, uh, beneficial therapy? Like, maybe, like, 
you're trying to like maybe do the therapy through music, so maybe you can probably therapy. I don't know, therapize people, therapize. There's no such thing as therapize. Would you say like you're trying to run therapy sessions through your music, like in the sense like a Jay Colwood? Yeah, I do. That's that's and that's the that's the approach that I take to my music. So, um, the the music that I put out is very like it's inspirational and it's, um, it's motive like motivational. Like that's the the basically like the the big thing that I that I want. I want I want somebody to take something away from my music always when they hear it. So, um. Like my first, my first project, I dropped it on my stepdad's birthday. It's called CDs Modern Life, and basically, mm. I'll every like pretty much every song in there has something to do with you know, like just you know, go out and chase a chase your dream. You know, the hardest part about you know anything is always starting, and you know, you know, don't you know, don't worry about what um like the next man or woman might say about you know you pursuing your dreams because um the insecurities that they might have about not being able to, you know, failing it, failing to pursue their own, you know? So that's, that's pretty much like what I do in my music. I always, you know, I use music as a, as an avenue to, to, to reach more people and to be able to like uplift and motivate people as well. You know, I, I like every, everybody that, that hears my, my music, my friends and my family, they say like, you know, like, you know, you're you're spitting something that's real and it's authentic and you're being true to who you are. So that's that's the the goal with every with everything that I drop. Of course I got the fun songs here and there, but for the most part it's always gonna be, you know, be true to who you are. Don't change for nobody. Um go out chasing dreams because you never know what might happen. You know, you could be, you know, um, you know, like me in Arkansas, but then, you know, and then the next year you might be out in, in California or New York or some big city like that, you know, performing in front of, you know, millions of people. So, you know, you just never know what might happen. But if you're scared to take that initial jump, then you will always live a life full of regrets. So. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah, no, seriously, that could definitely be a, it's a music project or is it just like, like an album or is it just like a couple, like a couple singles? Like what, what's up? It's a four track. So it's like an EP? Yes. Yeah, EP it has got four tracks on it. Okay, that's cool. That's nice. And there's only four songs you dropped in total so far? I got five songs out. So, like, the single for my next project is dropping um, in in January. It's called The Prelude, and it's basically just, like, um, just, like, the kind of, like, the setup to, like, my bigger project, the second installment of the Modern Life series. Um. So basically, that's just another three tracks. But for right now, I got five tracks out so far. All right, cool. That's wonderful. That's why you just started dropping music, uh, like pretty much uh, this year or last year. Yeah, this year in July. Okay, cool. That's wonderful. I didn't start dropping music till April of last year. Um, basically, that's pretty much when I, um, I dropped like a whole mixtape, like you know, twelve songs, Eagle Trip. So it's like you know, it's sad how I haven't listened to any of your music yet. And everything, but I look forward um, to probably checking it out uh, for sure. You got it all on SoundCloud or Spotify or where you got it all at? It's on every platform. So it's on Sound. It's on um, Spotify, Apple Music, um, YouTube. I think it's on Amazon Music. It's it's on everything, man. Use you, you not a master? So you oh yeah, use DistroKid, didn't you? I use DistroKid. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. I'm um, uh, I'm gonna put you on some game on the part two of the assessment because it's like we it's about to cut off in, four, in a couple minutes and everything. So uh, we can just hop on for part two on um, the, the interview process, and we can go into delve into uh, your time at Dreamville Fest, your music, um, um, or deeper like all the things that motivate you, and just pursuing your dreams and uh, that nature. So it's like yeah, there's just gonna be a whole lot of things we're gonna talk about in part two. Uh, so I'm gonna just end the recording uh, right here. I go. On. All right, part two of episode 149 with Mr. C.D. from Arkansas and everything. Um, you know, it's just like, I know you pretty much uh, spoke about, like, how you pretty much grew up in Arkansas and everything. How, how was it like growing up out there in Arkansas? Man, look, all right, so, oh, man, we, man, we had, like, Walmart and shit to go hang out there, bro. We didn't really have too much <laughs> You just wanted to so, go chill at Walmart. Yeah, man. Like we shit. Like after you know, after you know, I you know, we, I so I, I played football and I was in band. So like you know, uh, after after the games, you know, me like a couple of us, you know, from you know my you know buddies that was you know in the in band with me. Shit, we was like, man, which I which I got going. This was like way before COVID. So, um, hell, Walmart was the hangout spot. We go to Walmart at like two o'clock in the in the morning and just fucking hang out for. For no fucking for no reason other than just you know that's just what we had to do like we did like had Memphis but you know we weren't really going to Memphis like that at that age so our parents weren't letting us so you know Walmart was kind of the hub and that's where you know that's where we would go and you know have all you know hang out and do all our fun stuff there so um but yeah but like um yeah, I mean, growing up in Arkansas, it's, it's cool for what it is. Hell, it's, you know, it's, I say this is the place where you where you retire or you build yourself up. But I stay in long term. It's never part of my goal, you know, in Arkansas. So, um, mm -hmm. but yeah. And how would you describe uh, the dynamics out there, like the racial dynamics? Is it like there? It's not predominantly a black town where you hang out at, right? Um, I kind of a. a like the the white the white people actually like they run these cities though so um especially like the city I'm in so you know it's it's run, it's run by white people but it's a, it's a lot of black people here. Oh okay okay well at least like so would you say you grew up in a more predominantly black community or did you just uh, did you pretty much uh, grow up in a more integrated community? It was different. It was a more integrated of uh, community, but like I said, you know, like you, you, you knew who had the, who had the power, and you know who didn't. So, and stuff of that nature. All right, so like between the schools that you went to and everything, it was all there wasn't. It was predominantly white. Like, would you say? Uh, it was. It, like I said, it was. It was. It was. It was like like forty nine percent to fifty one percent, kind of around there. So. Um, earlier I said I'm, you know, I'm from Jonesboro. Like this, this is really my second home. So like I grew up in Marion, Arkansas. So there's like it's basically like like about a forty to an hour minute drive up the highway. So and it's it's basically it's the same way. So like when I describe one city in Arkansas, it's pretty much the same in most of these cities. So okay, so it's like fifty fifty, not like you know predominantly whatever, just kind of half and half, like yeah. Yeah, 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 man. It was, it was like, it was a good mix. Like, it wasn't, it was never like too much of of one, like one race in in Marion, and that's, that's the same vibes that I get, you know, that I get from the time I've been in Jonesboro. So, okay. Well, growing up, did you uh, in a in a chance, uh, did you have to face any type of discrimination growing up? 
um, in Arkansas, like I know everybody faces discrimination, but what would how would you describe uh, your uh, side of discrimination if you felt it? Or you had to go through um, Man, mine was basically it was with like the, um, of course, like we had, you know, we had people down here, you know, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll use, you know, they'll use the N word with the hard R or, you know, just, um, I learned really early that, you know, she pretty much like, you know, people, um, you love who you love, but where I come from, man, I, I, I date black and I plan to marry black because, um, when I was in high school, tried it, and it was always, um, I don't want my parents to find out about this, or um, my, you know, my dad will be really mad if he found out I was talking to you or things of that nature. So like, it was always like we could do stuff at school, but never outside of school. So like, like I said, I learned like, you know, as a teenager, like, you know, it's kind of it's risk involved with you know, kind of dating outside your race and you, you know, just <sighs> historically that, you know, you know, black men were, you know, killed for that, that same stuff. So I, I kind of got, kind of got turned off to it, you know, kind of pretty early because, you know, it was, it was draining, you know, pursuing somebody that like, you know, could potentially cause you, you know, your life to be in harm's way, you know, so off based off like off of a simple act with it, you know. So Yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that, man. Like seriously, man. It sucks how even in our time and age, like we're still kind of touchy about situations like that, which is weird because it's just like, you know, like a lot of uh African slaves were sent mostly to Brazil. And uh like they seem pretty much integrated already, to be honest, like at this point. You know, it always feels like, you know, in America, it always feels like you had to push that, um, you had to keep pushing those, those, I don't want to say those layers, but they're just like, just kind of pushing those weird boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, insinuating those uh, uh, boundaries and everything to the point where it's offensive or even like your, your children um, associate with each other. Like, you know, like how far along ago was integration? You know, like at this point, you should pretty much get used to it. But I feel like a lot of that is going to change, like in a couple generations. Like I want to say three or four generations. I feel like it's already looking whack already. But I feel like it could change later. Like for instance, I live in North Carolina. You know, like and it's just uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, my brother has been uh, in a interracial relationship um, with uh, his his uh, girlfriend, who is a white uh, Italian uh, descent, I think. Um, and then it's just like they've been together for like seven years now, <laughs> so it's just like, oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah, seven whole years since high school and to now. <laughs> so it's just like they just, I just feel like, you know, I, I know you and Dr. Umar will be against it from time to time. You know, I, I would prefer to stay uh, uh, within um, the, to marry a black woman, I mean, that's what I would prefer the route to go, but who knows? I just, it just depends. You never know what God has to is in store for you, you know, and everything. And it's kind of it sucks we had to go through that for sure. Like, I know I've been to uh, uh, experiences that are kind of similar to that, um, but not really in, in, to that degree. But it was mostly just like from me yeah, working at a Hispanic uh, grocery store and everything. First job I ever had and everything. And this weird, this weird situation where it's like there was this one Mexican girl working there. And like, you know, we would get along a lot. We had a whole lot of similar interests and stuff of that nature. Um, and there was this other uh, creepy Mexican kid that used to like, you know, follow, follow her everywhere. And everything like to the point where it's just like uh they'll he would like hold up like 
lunch breaks and stuff just so you can like follow her. It was kind of weird <laughs> and stuff of that nature. You would just talk all types of mess about like me to her and all types of, you know, it was just kind of uncomfortable. It was just not a very good environment. And like that, yeah. I was like, I was called all types of El Coloroso and everything. Oh, wow. it was, yeah, it was dumb, but it's like, it was hard. How can I report certain things? You know, it was the customers that said that. Um, it'd be hard to uh, kind of, uh, you know, report certain things if like no one could ever validate it to me. Like I know, but I can't like, you know, just go empty hand saying like, oh, this person did this or said this to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't remember they right they wrote me up over cheese one time like in the morning I think it was like one cheese one one stack of cheese or whatever like you know the in the singlets and uh, the price tag wasn't under it for some reason so like I just picked the price tag that was right next to it that was about the same size of cheese and I think I was fifteen cents uh, overcharged the customer or whatever but they ain't had the tag there so it's like you know I'll, like who's gonna stay in the morning at a grocery store. Uh, just over some cheese for 15 cents. Like, you know, like yeah. I'll pick that out of my pocket and give it to them. They've written me up for that. And it's like, what do you want me to do about that? Like, you know, just keep looking, keep asking. There was nothing I could have done. So they basically just written me up for a mistake that wasn't even my mistake. It was like the department's mistake for not yeah. putting the price on it and, and and everything. So it was just, it was a lot. And like, there was this one kid, it was like a like white, white blonde uh, with blue eyes and everything, but he was like Venezuelan, so he could speak the Spanish and stuff of that nature. And like he would keep taking money out of the register, like he would stay taking money out of the register. And I'm like, you know, I wasn't even told that he had to let him go um till like way later. And he would do this stuff on camera. And like, I know if that was me, bro, they would have called the police for sure. And I would have had to go to prison for that. No, thanks. <laughs> But I will say, like, you know, where it's to kind of like, yo, you know, like what you just said about like Umar Johnson. Like, I don't really agree with him in, in the like in the sense that, you know, you, you know, can't, you know, make change in like the black community, like, you know, outside your race or whatever. Like I said, you know, love, who you know, love who you want to love, date who you want to date. Um, I will say, you know, it, it kind of comes at a, you know, like some. You saw some people like kind of take it to the extreme where they just like, oh, like I. This is all I want to date, and I want my kids to look a certain way. When it like when it comes to like being a colorist, that's when I have like the problem with it because at the end of the day, black is beautiful, and it's always gonna be beautiful. But um, like when you kind of you know when you don't like love yourself and who you are, and you try to seek that in like other races to try to like you know make your kids a lighter complexion, that's you know that's the the issue that I have with it. Um, but yeah, like to your point, like you know, like I said like we we face a a, a lot of a lot of issues just like in work and I've actually like I left a job at the beginning of this year due to the same, you know, the same issues. You know, I college college educated. I've been here for almost three years and I've um I've applied for like four or five different, you know, salary positions, managed different like, you know, upper level positions. And you mean to tell me that like I um like I'm not qualified for any of them, but the people that you all are picking over me are um, less qualified. They don't they don't have the same rapport with everybody. And, you know, y'all will say, oh, well, you know, we see how hard you're working and, you know, X, Y, Z, but you're, you know, but you're just not a fit for this position. So, you know, the disrespect, you know, from that part was just like, OK, that's what really led me to, you know, pursue pursue my music to the fullest because like I couldn't just um you know 
put my destiny in the hands of somebody else and expect them to have my best interest at heart when they showed me time and time again that they didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, seriously, man. It's just like, you know, using like bloodline, trying to improve the race, like with more European yeah. type features. Like it's just, that's just dumb, man. Like at this stage, but it's just, it's been proven several times that the melanin in our skin, it's really just a reflection of how much UV radiation is put into a certain area. Most mm-hmm. of the most of it's through the area in the uh, equator and stuff. And uh, human life started in Africa anyway, so it's just like you know, come on now. Like at this stage, it's like shut the hell up, you know. <laughs> like it's like come on, we got science now. <laughs> well, it's like we were so subspecies, whatever, that we wouldn't even be able to reproduce with each other. Like that, our kids would come out, our children would come out blind. Right, like you know, just like for instance, like a mule, like a mule, like with a donkey and a horse and everything, like they can't reproduce because they're not, you know, like hybrid animals. Like they, they have, like you know, they they have a whole bunch of like health issues as well on top of that too. Yeah, you wouldn't know about stuff like that, like mules and everything having health issues. What other health issues do they got? Oh, so I was like looking at it from like because I watch um. Like when you mix like you know tigers and lions and all that stuff, like mm-hmm. I just I know like the fact they like can't reproduce is like the biggest one. Um, but that's like the the biggest one from like what I see. But I do know that like they overgrow across like a mule, like a like a horse and a donkey to like get a mule. Like it's just like a um, it, it's just like a like a stronger like like animal basically like to increase like work production. So that was like the whole point of you know breeding donkeys and horses because they didn't want to um they didn't want to like you know um like break down like their horses like those like the horse was the prize animal but the donkey was too stubborn to actually you know do the work that they really needed so they put like combined the two Mm. and you get a you get an animal that's as smart as a horse but as strong as a donkey so you get that like that perfect balance. So that's what the, the the whole point of like like mules being bred was was designed for. Oh, that is cool. I thought it was because they were strong, like and like you know, yeah. I thought that was- it was it was it's literally like just um like to to increase like like just like just work production that you couldn't get from a donkey because they're very stubborn animals. So what's the point of the donkey being on the farm? Um, I think like the what like kind of like what I like just heard about donkeys like they kill like coyotes and stuff. What? So yeah, so that's probably that's probably what like a reason for like having them around like you know. So donkeys and coyotes be scrap boxing. Yeah, like like donkeys donkeys like will actually like kill uh <laughs> kill coyotes and stuff. I did not know that. So it's like they just look for coyotes to just mess up. I don't think I don't think they just go they go out their way to just look for you know look for you know feral dogs to go just you know run their fade with. But <laughs> no, seriously, because I, that's the first I even thought like donkeys and coyotes were just even put in the same damn sentence. Like, what they're beefing with each other? I didn't even know that. I like well, you told me like you know terrier dogs like go out you know trying to get rats you know like trying to dig yeah. up rats and trying to spoil the crops they're like yeah I get that but then it's like dang donkeys be messing up coyotes I didn't I didn't know that 
Like if it was like a goat or a ram, I'd be like, okay, I get that. Like, you know. Yeah. Damn, uh, donkeys? Oh, okay. So they're there to protect. I didn't know they were there to protect. Like, like security. But like specifically for coyotes. Or what about wolves? See, like that's a good question because I've only heard about the coyotes. Like I ain't never really heard about them having no issues with no wolves. Okay, well, dang. Like, I guess you learn something new every day. That is so crazy. Now I want to look that up. Like, wow, like, what's up? Like, dang, when did they start really um, beefing with the, the, dang, the dang coyotes? Um, But anyway, <laughs> we're going to sit here and talk about farm life. Um, <laughs> it's so amazing. I didn't know that. Anyway, yes. um, but... Okay, so like when it comes to Dreamville Fest, uh, last or uh, this year was your first year at Dreamville Fest. Uh, can you can you really go into detail on what that experience was for you? Uh, since it was a two day festival and everything, uh, I was here. I went to the first Dreamville Fest back in 2019. Like you know, mm-hmm. so it's just like what well, it was just a one day festival, and you know that was crazy. And I kept losing my brother and uh, his girlfriend, and it's just like you know, like I think it's become a tradition now. Like so, like that next payment is gonna be like January fifteenth. So I gotta be sure to get my money right for that. Um, yeah, that's for dang so, sure. Man, I'll be honest. So like that's my I was like my birthday is my birthday is in March, but um, that's the birthday gift that I get to myself. Oh, so you know I don't do anything personal. I might go out with my friends here and there, but you know Dreamville Fest is what I do. Like it's just gonna be like my birthday tradition, pretty much. But like this first Dreamville Fest was absolutely crazy because like there was. Like I've I've been to like one other music festival. I've been to the Bill Street Music Festival when I was like um when I was younger. Um but this was like just like the first music festival that like I actually, you know, I funded it, you know, with my own when I worked really hard to get there. And like like Dreamville, that's like that's my favorite, like my favorite label. Cole is one of my favorite rappers of all time. Um so and I've seen him. I said that like with this with this past Dreamville Fest. That was my like my third time seeing him, um, like live. So I've seen him at like different stages. I've seen him like when he was like opening for Drake when Drake did his Club Paradise tour a couple years ago. I saw him when he did the Four Year Hours Only tour when he was doing house shows when like Jid was like still like relatively unknown. Mm. And then, like, I've, you know, like, seen him, like, just this past, like, April when he's, you know, pretty much, like, cemented himself as, like, one of the greatest, like, rappers of, you know, of all time. Um, so, Definitely it was, one of the best. It, it, it exceeded my expectations. Um, and the experience was was really amazing because I got to reconnect with, with one of my, with one of my, uh, my, like, friends and mentors from, from a state and it was funny because you know i thought he was just another festival goer but he i think he works in he works in marketing and all that stuff too so um so it was just just a generally positive experience all all through and through huh yeah it was so like i hit him up and i said hey man like you um you gonna be at the festival he's like yeah bro um and i seen that he was already in north carolina so i was like all right cool man like i'm i'm catching my flight um like tonight man so i'll see you i'll see you at the festival um weekend so he was just like yeah man no doubt bro see you there so like he hit me the like the first day of the festival i think it was like i think i want to say loot had already performed so like i like i was just hanging out 
Um, and I was just like, um, like he texted me. He was like, hey, bro, like, where you at? And I was like, man, you know, I'm just chilling in, in like the little VIP area or whatever, like just charging my phone and like cooling off or whatever. He was like, all right, bet. Um, like, meet me at, like, the, the MVP entrance. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm thinking, like, we're just going to take, like, a picture. And, you know, we're going to go, you know, just to chop it up about 10, 15 minutes and go on about our business or whatever. But, no, nah, he um, he was like, oh, he was like, all right, bro. He was like, man, come with me. So, like, you know, he pulled out a pass and he got a, he got a radio and all this shit. And I'm just like, I was like, bro, what the fuck is this? He was like, oh, man. Like, um, he was like, man, I, um, he was like, bro, I work for Dreamville, bro. We're going to go back to the artist section. So, um, so like I spent my entire weekend like outside of like you know watching like the artists perform actually in the back like talking to them and like um that's another like pretty much a- another thing that actually like um made like made me like you know like the deter- like dang what I'm trying to say that that's another thing that like made me realize that hey like you know music is something that I really want to pursue because you know everything that I you know when I was talking to them it was oh um you know you can you know there's it, it, like together basically like a whole yeah. group of people together that everybody just they'll be just reveling like uh the whole Dreamville uh, atmosphere and everything which is crazy because you would have thought like you know like j cole when he was first falling up with like the i first introduced that j cole was like the whole workout for me workout yeah. and then it was like uh the whole can't get enough can't get enough and then it's just like you know on mtv uh um music videos in the morning or vh1 um that was basically what it was and it's just like you know i'm just i'm happy to like grow up in a time where it's like i can grow up and be like oh yeah you know like I, we grew up on j cole you know what i mean yeah, middle school and like uh high school days and everything. I feel like J. Cole really get had me uh get through a whole lot of uh um adverse uh points in my life, you know, and I just feel like he just kinda like Loki like by default like uh like the conductor to the soundtrack of my life in a sense with all everything mm-hmm. in this mixtape from the warm up to um the come up to Friday Night Lights, it just it goes on and on. Truly yours, it's just it's all it's all really dope. He's one of my main influences myself, so I can really feel you on that end and everything. You know, it sucks that we, that you missed us at the Ferris wheel because <laughs> I didn't know you're in the group chat or not and whatnot. It really stinks. Yeah, I, I was, and then like what it was, um, like I was looking, but um. Like my phone, like I had like horrible service that whole freaking weekend. So, uh, like, so by the time they, so by the time y'all already, you know, took the picture and all that stuff, I was like, dang, I missed it. Um, but like I said, I was just running, I was running around with, with my, you know, with my, with my friend and, you know, just, um, just pretty much just like enjoying, um, being like in the, in the presence of people that like I, I, I want to be a, like, in that circle that I want to be in. So, you know, it just made me realize that like, you know, even though like you're just now beginning this, beginning this journey, you belong in these circles with these, you know, with these men and women. So it was, it was a humbling experience. And it was like, you know, this is like, this is amazing because I got to meet like, you know, influencers and all this stuff. And they said the same thing. It was like, man, listen, you know, you can do anything, you know, it's, it's cliche to say, but it's like, you know, you can put, you can do anything that you put your mind to. And like, and that's, you know, I, I, I live and I die on the hill because, um, 
you know, they all started from somewhere. Hell, I remember seeing a tweet with like, you know, J. Cole put out when he was just starting. It's like, you know, I, I just got like my first 500 followers and it might not seem like much, but it's a lot to me. It's somewhere along the lines. But like, if I, you know, I live by the things too. And like, basically like to your point where you said like, you know, he's kind of like the conductor for your life, you know, like this, like same here, you know, because I was, I was like a freshman in college when, um, Four Seals Drives came out, mm-hmm. um, and like I was, I was in high school. Like when I became like a really like, like big fan of his, and Friday Night Lights was the was the mixtape that actually like made me a, a fan. So, and when like I said, like I like Four Seals Drives was pretty much just like, oh okay, like this man, like I relate to a lot of the stuff that he's saying, especially like, you know, where dreams was the one. Cause I was like, Oh wow. Like, nah, like that's because that's similar to that. You know, like when I my first time having sex, I was like, it was exactly like this, bro. Like, so we, I know we, I know we're not out here, out here living the same life. Mm, yeah, no, seriously, man. It's just like, it's just Cole has such a way of just like, Pretty much showing like the vulnerability side of things, you know, right. just, like, really speaking for the average Joe's, you know, it's not all about getting chains and everything, just being like, you know, oh, I, I, F, I fuck with this many bitches and stuff of that nature. But dude, really dwelt deeper in the, the mental part, the the soul part, really tapped into your soul. Yeah. And that's what I really uh, mess with J. Cole about. It's just like, you know, we're all just kind of like connected within this music thing. Um, right. It's just like at the same time to be truly happy, seeking out happiness. It's really just, it's not really dwelled in like ambition, but also in humility, really just understanding that, hey, you know, I am who I am and that's it. And so it's just like, you know, I'm going to be the best version of myself and it won't be a reflect on what I have or what I got, but just, you know, being able to stand firm on my principles and my values and stuff. So that's pretty much what I get from like J. Cole and everything. And just, you know, even though he probably went through a whole lot growing up, he still managed to make this music thing work on so there really is no excuses you know so it's just like um so it's just like i feel like it's just it's wonderful that we also can all meet up all together like in one festival and things of that nature what were some performances that you liked uh i really want to get into larry june's catalog for sure like but what type of uh performances were you really hyped about and what you like the most okay I'll be I'll be honest. So like I didn't get put on to like Larry June until like after the um like festival or whatever. Yes. Because I followed the um like I followed the playlist on Spotify and they had like all of the artists um that would be performing there for that weekend. So I would say outside of like Dreamville, like the like the like they they roster, like I was really excited to see um, like I was really excited to see Earth Gang for the first time. I was excited to see Boz for the first time. That was my second time seeing Luke because he opened for J. Cole when they came to Memphis a couple years ago for um like For Your Eyes Only tour. They did they did a house show at the um, at the New Daisy Theater, um, which they like it shut down now. But what like fun fact about that night was like you know that was my first time getting a picture with a rapper. I got a I got a picture with G at that night, and then I got my cell phone case, uh, one of my my old phone case autographed by Cole that night too. So like. That was like a crazy ass experience with like in and of itself. But back to like just Dreamville Fest in general, um, like I was excited to see like the main, like just like the main squad. Um, let's see who else. Like I know Maury, uh, like Blast. Like I got put on the Blast like right before like the festival, um, like right before I got touched down because like like um, his song uh, "Be Alone" was a part of that playlist. 
And when I found out that he was he was gonna be performing there, you know, like before I started like releasing my own music, I had I just did like a bunch of freestyles and stuff because that's you know what I had access to. It was easy for me to do that, and I put those freestyles like up on my on my SoundCloud account, and I was just uploading them like every week type deal. And I did a freestyle to be alone. And the craziest experience from like just Dreamville Festival, like I actually got to meet Blast and talk to him. Mm. And I told him, I was like, hey, well, I didn't tell him at first, but like I was hanging out with um, just, you know, other people that I met through my my friend Chris. One of um, one woman, her name is um, Alicia and the other one, her name is Naya. You know, they they both work in like, you know, just in entertainment. One does radio and the other one, she she works for. I think she works for like Repub like Republic Records or something like that. But you know, I, I was walking back and I was talking to him, or whatever, and I was like, Yeah, you know, I did a I did a freestyle on one of his songs. They was like, bro, like, go play it for me. Like, what are you doing? Mm. You know, I like I said, I just wasn't thinking because I was just like, shit, you know, I just wanted a picture and I, you know, I go on about my business, or whatever. So I walked back up to him. I was like, hey man, you know, like I, I really got put on your music like right before this festival happened. And then like one of your songs, like I really fucked with is called like Be Alone or whatever. I was like, man, I did a freestyle, so you like you want to hear it? He was like, bro, I ain't doing shit else, play it for him. So mm. I played it for like my heart is beating out my chest, like while he's listening to this damn like this freestyle or whatever. He was just like, man, the first thing he said, like once he got finished listening, he was like, man, you should have put a hook at the end. And um, but you was talking that talking that gentle. You know, I fucked with him. I was like, man, that shit crazy, bro. <laughs> I was like, it, it, it gives like, you a whole lot of confidence. Like, okay, now, like, wow, this artist, yeah, that, that, I need to pull forward. Like, then it'll, it'll be something. What if he really makes it really big, big, big? One day, it's like, man, I really spoke to this dude. And he listened to my music, like, you know. Yeah, it was crazy because, like, I didn't, like, I said, like, I just went in there and it was just like a, it was just like a, like a, like a raw ass recording, like, like no mix, no master, no none of that shit. And I was just like, yeah, like that's, you know, that's what it is. He was just like, why you didn't put a hook at the end? I was like, man, shit. I was, you know, I'm just like trying to find my sound at this point. Like, I went, you know, I'm not, I'm not selling it here. I'm trying to get sued out here. <laughs> No, seriously, man, like, man, if I could just, if I could really get any of, like, my idols or, like, any artists actually check out any of my music, man, that'd be so cool and stuff. I got only 12 songs out and everything. I'm trying to shoot the drop 50 songs next year um, yeah. and everything. That's the goal. Like, I, I still feel like I can do it, even though, like, sometimes, like, things be up and down and all about and everything. I still feel like it's possible and everything when you have your mind set on something. And stuff. So it's just like, you know, that that's really, really cool. <laughs> Dope. Like it's just like, um, you know, I got my SoundCloud link and everything. I wouldn't even know what I would do and everything. Cause it's like, you know, listening to my music and everything. It's just like yeah, I know you know about Flatbush zombies and stuff, right? No. Man, put me you know on, bro. Oh, dang. Oh, dang. I was about to say, one of my songs is just, like, one of the Flatbush Zombies songs. They haven't dropped anything in a while, but, yeah, sure, definitely, you know, like, if you want to really, there's a song on my SoundCloud called Grave Shift, and it sounds a whole lot like um, Flatbush Zombies, This Is It. So, it's like, you know, like, if you want have, have some spare time, maybe I can send you the link, I could text it to you, and you can, like, check it out. You can text me a your SoundCloud link, and I could check that out, and we could probably, like, converse about it uh, some other time and things of that nature so uh going into dreamville this year and everything what are some things uh yeah, you're definitely gonna try and find a way to take a picture with us by the ferris wheel again right yeah i'm definitely to like tap in with y'all by the ferris wheel um so um i think 
man, if I can, if I can remember, like one of the things that you said, like you, like your goal is to put out like like fifty songs and all this stuff, man. Like, if that's if that's your goal, if that's in your heart, man, do it because, oh, yeah. um, my my goal for like for my music, I just put out like you know I want to like work on like just organically like building up building up a fan base, so I know that like. The music is gonna speak for itself, but I have to work hard on the back end because I'm not in a I'm not in a big city for music. You know, our sound, realistically, like just being real, is like country music, really close to like how how Memphis rappers sound. Mm -hmm. But I'm more so of like like I said, more so like I'm labeled like the conscious rapper, the chase your dream rapper. You know, like to think about like you know world issues type of thing that's the kind of sound that i that i go for so um you know and like i said a lot of people like when they hear my music they say oh man like you you're different and you know i you know if i was if i was a lot younger being different probably would have been an insult but now i take that as like like a, a compliment because you know like is for one, like, you know, doing like, you know, so it's like, well, we're doing like releasing music and trying to like, like have success in music is very hard because there's no, there's no like one set blueprint or like one road that you can say like, okay, I'm going to follow this to the T and it's going to get me to where I want to get to because it's different for every artist. It's very different for every artist. Um, and just like I said, just like paving, like, you know, paving your own sound is it's rewarding like once you once you like once you crack that code and you finally start you know getting like the traction and getting the attention and like you know that you that you work so hard for oh being like just being unique is 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 what's gonna make it like even even more special in the end so um but yeah but back to like dreamville fest um i said my goal uh is to try to catch more like more performances. I know, like I got like really bad feet, so like I was like kind of off my feet. But like, but like the sets there, like I, I just, like, I didn't know their music, so I was like, okay, like I'm, you know, I could have went, but I need to get off my feet for a little bit for the people that I really do want to see. So like, I was really excited to see T Pain and like, yeah, T Pain was. Had, he had the um like the entrance to like the little like the viewing area, like the stage area. It was packed. Like, like he was already like halfway through his set by the time we actually got over to to see him. Yeah, man, I saw it from the beginning to end, man. It was a sea of people, man. I was on edibles, man. That's why I'm never yeah. going <laughs> to Dreamville Fest again, bro. Because like you really do take it all in, but at the same time, it could be overwhelming. Like you're so like, oh, oh, like you just be <laughs> you'd be lost like hell, man. But it's like, dude, Dreamville Fest is good every time, and I'm really glad I really got to meet up with a lot of people. Uh, from the group chat there to really take a picture. I'm definitely going to print out that picture and put it in a photo album for sure. <laughs> definitely not something I want to forget, you know, for sure. Um, I've interviewed some people out of a Dream Will Fest um, a group chat and everything uh, and stuff. You can definitely check it out on past episodes and stuff of that nature. Um, my goal is really just to go to the events like outside of Dream Will Fest, you know, the little mini bars. I feel like some people actually met up with Boz at one of those uh uh, events so i definitely want to show up to those uh see what's up with that you know check in with some people you know just really have a good time you know it's just it's just dream one fest that's a Joshua tradition now that's like a family reunion <laughs> now when you think I, about it because i say like i was 
I was like fully expecting to like never hear from like some of the some of the people like in a group chat ever again. But like after Dreamville Fest, it was like, yo, like I had so much fun. I can't wait to see y'all again, you know, X, Y, Z. And then like they yeah, meet up by rolling loud together. Who all like who all coming to Dreamville Fest this year? And I was just like, at first I was like, man, you know, I probably not I'm probably not gonna go again. But after seeing like everybody, it was like everybody else coming back again. I'm like, oh man, yeah, I'm finna go again, yeah. bro. Like we finna have a we finna have a, a blast this go around because like this was I'll say this like I did I kind of did everything like last minute yeah. with the first fist. So a lot of stuff I didn't know here, like it, like with the like with the clothing I was when I was like, oh shit, like we outside here. I need to like just I need to dress down for this shit. Um especially like with my shoes, like I said, like I got horrible feet. So um I, I was I, I wore like some fucking I wore Vans the first day and then I wore like my fucking oh mm-hmm. uh, like Air Max nine sevens horrible shoes if you're gonna be up for twelve hours like horrible fucking shoes yeah. um so I'm gotta like, be comfortable gotta get a battery charger your own this time uh, I'm yeah. gonna bring some portable Wi Fi or something just to help with the no reception thing because that was messing me up so many yeah. times out yeah, there. Like, the the no the no service out there really like drain my cell phone battery and I didn't find that out until I got back home and I was talking to like my recording engineer about that and he was just like man you know like when you're in an area with no service like your phone battery like your phone be searching for service it just like be dying I was like I put my phone in my pocket it's on 100% I pulled it out like not even 30 minutes later and I'm already at 70 like what is this yeah no seriously man but yeah we're getting close to the end and whatnot I just want to know what are what are some artists you hope could show up for Dreamville next year uh, in under a minute I mean, definitely, definitely the uh, the like Griselda, so Westside Gun, Benny the Butcher, Conway the Machine. Oh, yeah. uh, let's see. Um, uh, two chains. Isaiah Rashad. You said what? Isaiah Rashad. I was literally just about to get to the TD artist in uh, in PG Lane. So yeah, for sure, Isaiah Rashad. Uh, Schoolboy. Yeah, um, definitely Schoolboy Q. Oh man, if Schoolboy pull up, that'll be crazy. Like Absol J Rock, definitely. Uh, like Baby King. I know, like hell. I think Kendrick is a stretch, but for sure, like if, if Baby King could come, that'd be hard to see though. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, no, seriously. Um, I know Meek came the first Dreamville Fest out of nowhere. That was that was unwarranted. I'm thinking who could who else could come? I I don't know. They might bring Saweetie. I don't I don't know. It's just or do you feel like Ice Spice might make it? <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Look, <laughs> possible. I think she did like she did like rolling loud or some shit like that. I mean, like you just like never know. Like, but mm-hmm. I think like I know, like, we kind of, like, crunch the time, so I'm going to try to keep this short. So, like, it's a lot of people that, like, even though, like, you know, she done had kind of, like, her, you know, her shortcomings with, like, being pushed into, like, something, like, like just, like, a big, like, audience, like, that fast and not really having no development. It's a lot of people that actually will, like, pay to see you, like, fail in life. But to, like, honestly, like, just blow up and just, like, to be, like, where she wants to be, like, you know, there's, like, hell, Except any job that comes your way, no matter how big or small the audience is, because you know, to me, experience is the best teacher in life. So you yeah. know, Just take like, yeah, facts, and it and it definitely will help you build that confidence, and like it, it, it'll work with you know, help you you know with your your stage presence and all this stuff. So. Yep, and that's that's that was gonna ask what your final words are, but I, I think that's a good way to sign off. As so that's it for the Mental Thugs podcast. We sewing in, and now we're sewing out. Episode one hundred forty nine. That's it.